Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan. And I'm Deidre. And today we're just going to spend some time talking about what it means to be a woman, um, to celebrate women. Even as we go into a holiday like Mother's Day, it can be a little triggering for people for various reasons. Um, Maybe just the emotional cargo that you have, the baggage that you have with your own relationship with your mother, maybe as a woman who is longing to be a mother and can't, or maybe you don't want to have children and kind of navigating this day. So we're not so much going to talk about how to parent or we're just going to talk about how to deal with this day as women who, you know, we don't have it all figured out yet. So. No, I think that's a really good way to say it because I remember being a little kid and all I wanted to be was a mom. Mm -hmm. And when I finally, you know, birthed my first child and became that wonderful, magical word word of mom, it actually was not at anything like I was expecting it to be. It was really hard and it didn't like solve all of my hopes and dreams and all of a sudden fill all these places that I thought it would inside. Definitely. And even in my journey um, in becoming a biological mother, but then adopting a child and then God even giving us a bonus child. She wasn't actually in foster care, but you know, there was someone added to our family when she was 12 years old and had her own trauma and watching her navigate what Mother's Day looks like for her with um, an aunt who raised her and a biological mom still in her life, as well as the role that I've played. You know, it's just not an easy holiday. So I just, we wanted to take some time to say, let's acknowledge this and talk about how we can uh, take those longings, those disciplines, appointments, that baggage, and really lean into the grace that God gives us. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to, I was telling you, Megan, that my mom, who's a preacher, if you didn't know this listeners, she actually did our Christmas uh, episode this last year and was uh, just kind of shared a little message with us all. But um, the last time I heard her speak in our church was actually on the topic of women. And I was kind of like, I wonder how she's going to handle that because I don't know, you know, everybody has their different theology about women, but she really stayed away from the role of women as mothers or in the church or any of that. And really just talked about what God's design was for us. And as a wound one, like that is, that is the special gift that we bring, even if we're not biological mothers to someone and have never carried a child in our room, there is a space that God's given us to create for others to develop and mature and to come into their giftings. And we can do that through all kinds of ways. And we're all gifted in different ways to live out that experience in our own lives. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know for me, and you were also a youth leader, uh, I My husband and I were youth leaders for 15 years. I discipled a lot of kids that were not my biological children. You know, they didn't live in my home, but uh, I carried them in my heart in that way and watched them grow and mature and and really helped release that potential in them. So that's that's one way that a lot of people can kind of live out that calling. Yeah. Does that look like for you? Even as a teacher, I think, you know, before I ever even had kids of my own and I was teaching in the classroom and some of those kids became my babies in a way. And I've seen other teachers fall into that, you know, where those are their children. And um, my mom was a teacher for 30 years and she still has kids that accidentally call her mom that are, you know, in their thirties now and come at her. And um, I just, I think there are roles and you don't have to work with kids to fill that mother role either. You know, even as an adult, there are women that have come alongside me and mothered me in ways, and I'm a grown woman myself. And I just think that there's um, a special way that women can do that, you know, that 
there is that gifting, whether we are working with kids, whether we have our own kids, whether God has given us kids in ways we didn't expect, or if it's just each other. Yeah. I was thinking about that story um, that I've seen people share several times on Facebook about like when a mother elephant is giving birth, like all of the other females will make Mm -hmm. the circle around them um, to protect her when she's in that vulnerable state. And I know that's kind of going back to a birth analogy again, but just the people in our life, the other women and men in our life that are struggling, there's something about us is the nature that God's given us to want to come around and protect them in their vulnerability. And so I think that can happen even with peer age level people that you work with, or you're in church with, or you're in a community project with or whatever. Um, there's just something in our nature that says, let me come around you and support you and help you and cover you and protect you while you're going through this struggle, you know, and it it just uh, provides a sense of safety. So I think that's another just nature uh, kind of example of how we as women process that. That's good. So yeah, let's talk a little bit. We're going to actually have a few guests on in the coming weeks to talk about their experiences with adoption, foster care, um, tending to more vulnerable at-risk children, that's been a journey for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister and her husband decided to adopt. And um, gosh, that was how long has that been now? 14, 15, 15 years ago. Years ago. Yeah. And um, we ended up going on that journey with them. We were all going to go to an international adoption. We ended up in separate agencies and separate countries just through the course of how that all unfolded. Uh, they ended up adopting two a son and daughter from Guatemala, and we ended up adopting our youngest son from Ethiopia. So that whole international adoption journey, plus just the home study and what it takes to get really licensed as a foster parent in the state that we live in first, you know, it was eye-opening, but it opened up a lot of resources for me to start learning more about um, how children process this kind of loss and how you parent that Mm -hmm child versus maybe a biological child in the sense of giving them that space to grieve the loss. And um, so that whole journey started something for me that just made me start parenting differently across the board. How do I shepherd these hearts that God's given me? And it's not about me. I, I don't know. It's transformed me even in the way that I just interact with other people now too, because what's about me? Like you said, like it was disappointing to even as a biological mom, you're like, wow, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's just hard. You know, a lot of life is like that. I feel like it's a lesson that we can learn from the nature of motherhood. It is. And I think, um, watching, I mean, I didn't meet you until after you had already gone through that adoption process, but watching the way that you approached, um, each of your children, individually and it wasn't just like this one parenting fits all for all of your kids at that time like that was kind of eye-opening to me because at the time I only had one child and so I didn't know how to keep like parent others that brought into you know the house and so to watch how you've kind of navigated that I think I don't know maybe this episode is about or the next few episodes are going to be about like non-traditional parenting you know the nuclear family family that we grew up in the '80s, thinking every house had a mom and dad and 2.5 kids and a dog and a white picket fence. That's just not the reality of the world we live in. And there are just so many non-traditional ways to parent. And I've enjoyed watching you go through that journey as your kids get older and are and you're launching them into adulthood now. And oh my goodness, parenting adults, watching you do that—that's a whole nother thing. 
that is a whole other thing that I wasn't prepared for. They don't come <laughs> with manuals, whether they're babies no. or 21 year olds. Uh, yeah. Speaking of non-traditional, so that our bonus girl came to us when she was 12 and just navigating her loss with her as she experiences new levels of healing and uh, picking your battles, you know, and parenting, they tell you that when you have two-year-olds, but it's just true. It's especially true with teenagers. Uh, what are the things that matter and what are the, th- where are you going <laughs> to, what hill are you going to die on? Cause there's a lot right. of fights you can pick every day with those preteens and teenagers. Oh, yeah. Um, but again, it's, I was such a black and white thinker, such a black and white person. I'm an Enneagram one, you know, we just, we have certain ways we do things and this is the right way. And God has just continually challenged that through parenting, but it's made me a better mentor, a better, you know, uh, I think it's made me an easier person to work with now that I'm not quite as strict about what what I'm adhering to. I actually saw somebody else. I don't even remember whose account it was. So I'm not giving them a shout out right now, but on Instagram, one of the Enneagram accounts was posting like parenting types. Mm-hmm. So Enneagram ones, here's what you're going to do. Well, here's what you're probably not going to be so great at. And here's, um, you know, example of something that you could do to challenge yourself to grow in that. And so for me as a one, like started out so strict as like, this is how I'm going to parent. This is the way the book tells you to do it. And just find out really early on that that approach doesn't work well, especially with different personality types. You got to yeah. kind of bend and flow. But the main goal that we have in parenting is to release the potential of a child, right? And that's just true in our own hearts as well. Um, and in what whatever we set our hand to do in life, again, even outside of parenting. So I think the thing that we can celebrate at Mother's Day is that we're going to give ourselves grace to grieve the things that have been, um, again, losses or baggage that we carry from our own trauma in our past, we're going to give ourselves grace and we're going to surround ourselves with those strong other women in our lives that can uh, give us a sense of security and protection as we are dealing with our loss. Um, And we don't have to go into Mother's Day thinking that if we don't have brunch and this great relationship with our natural biological mother, that the holiday shouldn't mean anything. It can mean a lot of really good things as we allow the Lord to just process some of this in our own lives and with those around us. Um, As a mom, and we're using that loosely, right? In any sense of the word, yeah. whether you're talking biological, adopted, bonus, kids you've worked with or friends you've mentored, what has been one of the most defining moments for you that shaped that for you? Am I putting you on the spot? Yeah, because I can't think of one. Let me think. Uh, lots of moments define. I think um, early on in in parenting, it was learning how to say, I'm sorry for the part that I played mm-hmm. in the conflict, even if the child was wrong to begin with, you know, if I escalated it in any way and made it a power struggle. Um, and then more recently in these last few years is understanding that discipline is not about punishment. And so learning to disciple and shepherd a heart is really the goal. Discipline is just shepherding their heart. And so, yes, there are natural consequences to things that we do along the way. And that looks different for a two-year-old than a 15-year-old, obviously. But um, really understanding that I need to see my kids and hear what their heart is trying to say in that action or that moment or that language that they're using or whatever, and try to speak to the pain that's behind that. Because when I can let them encounter Jesus in me instead of my own reaction to it, it brings so much better fruit. You know, it just always brings fruit. So yeah, the fruit of the spirit should be evident 
if we are, and I'm not saying it's just peaceful and joy filled in our house. Not at all. Like there's a lot of strife and confusion and chaos just because there's a lot of bodies. But um, <laughs> if what I'm doing with my kids is only always producing conflict, then I need to reevaluate, you know, am I implementing things that are um, being led by the spirit there? And that's so that's good. true and- in other relationships too. I want to share mine, but while we're on this topic, because mine's going to switch topics a little bit, um, how has parenting changed for you since you learned about the Enneagram? It it helps a lot for me to see that my, and even though all my kids don't exactly know their type, especially my youngest, he's, you know, still growing in that understanding, but it's helping me figure out what words mean the most to them. Mm. I think I kind of was getting a sense of that even before I had the Enneagram, but, or understanding the doing repression versus feeling repression versus thinking repression. I have one of each of those types, you know, so helping them process even um, to solve conflict or to solve emotional strife within their own soul. That's given me some tools that I didn't have before, I think for sure. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, I think my oldest, she's still, you know, she's going to be 13 this summer. So we, we don't quite know what her Enneagram number is yet, but I can tell that she's probably in the doing or press stance. And that's just how she kind of moves through her world. And it has given me a different language to speak to her in some ways as well. Um, because I'm also in that stance, which makes it a little bit relationally, um, let's say dynamic, but also, (laughs) (laughs) but it also gives me some compassion because I understand where she's coming from. So Um, I wish that I could go back to being a classroom teacher, knowing what I know now about the Enneagram, because I can look back at certain kids and know that I would approach them completely differently. And um, I'd be able to, where I, where I probably unintentionally put shame on them, I would have better tools and better language. So, I mean, anyone who works with kids, young adults, I feel like the Enneagram just is a tool that we all need to be able to disciple others. Definitely. It changes a lot. So what's your memory that you were thinking of? So I, mine actually has to do with loss. I, it actually showed up in my memories today that eight years ago today, I posted that my oldest daughter was going to become a big sister. And we were expecting our second child when she was about, she was going to be five and a half when I think it was a boy when he was born. Um, he was due December of 2013 and I miscarried him at about 12 weeks along, um, in early June that year. And that was really a difficult season for me because I wasn't totally sure when I found that I was pregnant, that I was excited about it. I had gotten Jory into school. She was in preschool, kindergarten and out of diapers and all the baby part was over, which was hard for me. And then I thought I was going to have to start over and I wasn't super excited about it. And God just kind of spoke to me like, no, you need to speak life to this baby. And so I did. And I really, he changed my heart and then I lost the baby. Yeah, And that didn't make any sense to me. Like God told me to speak life. And now like I miscarried this, this baby and I don't know what to do. And um, there was a period right after that miscarriage, about two weeks where it was really hard to get out of bed every morning. And I met God in a way that I had never met him before. And I was able to even, I feel like hold Jory through that where she couldn't, she wasn't old enough to really understand, but I felt like he gave me words to speak to her during that time. And I just felt kind of mothered by the Lord in that season. That's So good. I don't know, that, that was just a defining moment for me. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I actually, when I had my miscarriage, I remember feeling like very, his presence was very near to me Mm -hmm. during that season. Um, I actually remember thinking like, I don't want to get past this yet because it was a really sweet communion that I was having with the father, just holding me and, and making himself known to me and instilling hope. Um, well, and then we named our next daughter hope after that, but (laughs) wasn't the original plan, but that is what happened. Uh, yeah, there's something about uh, loss that you can put up a lot of walls to protect yourself from it, or you can kind of be vulnerable and then allow him to come in. And that is really beautiful. You know, my sister um, talked on here before we, when we were talking on the topic of prayer, because she and her husband dealt with infertility for 11 years, mm-hmm. a lot of IVF procedures, just a lot of cost, money, emotional um, investment, just uh, everything, the toll it took on her natural body. And the only reason we're not talking to her yet is because we're going to have her on later because she's writing a book about this and it'll be really great to talk to her about that. So she's not part of the series, but she will be coming back again to discuss her book with us. But um, watching her parent uh, after that loss and being very aware that some of those days, especially when they were struggling to get pregnant and having to face Mother's Day, her only um, thing she could do was run away from it on, in those days because yeah. the pain was so intense. So I'm not suggesting that you have to celebrate painful days, um, but I am suggesting that Mother's Day isn't just about celebrating you if you're a naturally, you know, if you are a biological mother. There's just so many ways that we um, we parent, and there's also a lot of ways to honor our mothers even when there's loss attached to that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if you don't have a relationship with a biological mother or you've been adopted, you don't know who that person is, or you um, are an adoptive parent of a child who's trying to figure out how to hold tension for the loss and you at the same time, I think that the biggest thing that I would recommend is that you give yourself a lot of grace and you give your kids a lot of grace and you give your mothers a lot of grace and understand like none of us are doing this right. Right. And it's painful and it's hard. There's a big expectation. Um for what that role in our life is supposed to mean. And there's a lot of people who've been disappointed by a natural mother or adoptive mother, whatever. And, um, and I think that God wants to intercept our, our loss and our pain with his presence. And the more that we can help one another to experience that. So beautiful. So beautiful. I don't really have any words to follow that. Like, I don't know. It is, it's just a hard day for a lot of people and we want it to be this beautiful big celebration but and it is like you said there's some things that are worth celebrating and worth honoring but to recognize that the difficulty of it I think is also honoring to people yeah I know a lot of people in the adoptive um, parent community that I have that acknowledge the birth mom of their child on that day, even if they don't have a name or maybe they have a name, but they've never met or whatever. And just wrecking, it gives that. uh, So my dad was adopted, but in an era, you know, back in the forties and fifties when no one talked about it and you wanted someone who looked like you. So basically no one would even question. And it just was a very, very different philosophy about adoption and foster during that season. Um, So it was painful for him that no one ever acknowledged that he had a loss even yeah. though he didn't have the words to say that's what hurt, you know, but we know better practices now um, is acknowledging that this family was founded on 
another family's loss, yeah. you know, the, the, the former family's loss. And so I think that that's really important for us to do when we're talking about adoption, foster care, or anything like that in that, those non-traditionally formed families in that way. Um, but even in our own lives, if we have a connection to a biological mother and acknowledging that they're not perfect yeah. and that maybe in some cases there was neglect or abuse and, and that's hard to acknowledge, but I really think it's important that you don't gloss over that and you do acknowledge that and grieve it. And then allow the Lord to come in and start repairing and bringing healing. Uh, I don't know this this whole episode right now is feeling kind of heavy, and I think it's hard. How do you lighten grief? I don't know that you can. No, I also just kind of want to shout out to the single dads who are filling in those steps for where there isn't a mother for one reason or another, and just the fact that they are learning how to mother their own kids in a way that probably is a step out for them. And there are a lot of those out there and I see them and I acknowledge them and we want to celebrate you too. Definitely big shoes to fill. I think we talk about single moms a lot um, because that's been maybe more, uh, there's more of those than single dads, but it's so true. Whether you lost the mom because of death in the family or whatever reasons, they're, those dads are out there trying to do this and it's hard Yeah, it's hard to be a single parent all the way around. Well, I guess a few years ago, I wanted to acknowledge Mother's Day in a way that also acknowledged the hardship of it. And so I wrote this post on Facebook that I guess I'll just go ahead and read now as we're, you know, Mother's Day is just a few days away. So here's our celebration of all of you mamas. So For the bleary-eyed moms in the throes of babydom, happy Mother's Day. For the pregnant women dreaming of the future, happy Mother's Day. For the mamas of angel babies whose arms are aching, happy Mother's Day. For the women whose children are grown and your house is silent, happy Mother's Day. For the stepmothers who love someone else's child fiercely, happy Mother's Day. For the women without their own children but who pour into the lives of others, happy Mother's Day. For the women who have lost their own moms or grandmas and whose hearts hurt, happy Mother's Day. For the moms in the trenches of homework folders and disobedience and endless days of questions, happy Mother's Day. For the women whose relationships with their own moms or kids are broken or difficult, happy Mother's Day. For the women who teach in schools and churches and love on kids, happy Mother's Day. For the single moms who are weary of playing the role of daddy too, happy Mother's Day. For the women who don't fit neatly into any of these categories but pull pieces of several, happy Mother's Day. And for my friends who model unconditional love and raising children in wisdom, happy Mother's Day. Mm, That's good. I think that's a good note to go out on. And I'm sure I didn't cover every role there. So, Well, stick with us over these next few days uh, and weeks. I mean, we're going to be uh, speaking to some really exceptional moms, not because they are just amazing people, but because they're filling in some of those categories where others have lost something. And um, when you add in children who aren't your own from however they come, uh, there's a beautiful grace that's there from the Lord for that. Um, But happy Mother's Day, listeners. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries, and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash team DGM. 
For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org. For information and pricing about individual coaching sessions, and we even offer virtual and in-person staff training opportunities for your organization. You can also follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org. And while you're there, check out our retreat for this November 2021 in Colorado. We have registration live and we would love to see you there.